In improvisational theatre, there's an adage that says make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Speaking with guests and listeners like you, Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here's your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll, my podcast series. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the November episode of my podcast series. If you want to find out more about me or my previous guests, you can feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website on carolcoaching.com or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel. Be sure to download the app or tune in using your favorite podcast app. If you missed last month's podcast, I chatted with Talitha V, my colleague and friend, and we looked in detail about the work of Gabor Mate, specifically his book, When the Body Says No, The Hidden Costs of Stress. It's a fascinating body of research, and we highly recommend you look into it. I am particularly excited about my guest today and the conversation we're about to have. And first, before I introduce my guest, I want to give a shout out to Danica Stefanovic. Now, Danica, I met a number of years ago in Lausanne, Switzerland. She's a project manager based there. And Danica recently was kind enough to connect me with my guest, Yogesh Soni. Yogesh, welcome. Thank you, Amy. So good to be here and so good to be connecting back with someone from Lausanne. As as I just told you previously, I lived in Lausanne also for seven years. Uh huh. So good, yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. So, for listeners, if you don't know Lausanne, Switzerland, it has a couple of hallmarks: home to the Olympic, the um, Olympic Committee, I guess, the International Olympic Committee, and many other things. It's a gorgeous place. So, um, if you're looking for an excuse to take a holiday, come visit us in Lausanne. And Yogesh, you're currently in California this morning. Is that right? Yes, it's a beautiful morning, like always, it's always sunny in California, it's very, very true. <laughs> well, we just had this extraordinary sunset tonight, so um, I'm feeling pretty good about uh, life these days. <laughs> yeah, so, I remember some of those, actually, yeah. It, it, tonight, seriously, <laughs> it was like, whip out my, my phone and take pictures and walk down to the lake and take more pictures, that's how beautiful it was. Nice, I'm looking forward to the pictures, and by the way... Okay, I'll I send you one. Have- yeah. And by the way, I do have some um, flu and cough. So I apologize to the listeners if I get into a fit of cough. Uh, yeah. Midway. yeah. Yeah. Not to worry. Listeners, if uh, Yogesh has to go on mute for a minute, I'll fill in with something entertaining, I'm sure. <laughs> so before we jump in, I want to give the listeners some of your bio, Yogesh. So bear with me. Sure. Listeners, Yogesh is the founder and the CEO of Transcend Tech Incorporated. He helps tech companies increase the effectiveness and well-being of their distributed workforce. He loves building deep technology products, meaningful businesses, and close-knit teams. He applied his trade first as a software engineer, then as a product manager, leading large teams and shipping several products for the world's top tech companies. Like he, This is something that Yogesh, you and I share in common. You are... Uh, also, we're both lifelong learners, so it's, I love knowing that. And I think it's part of the reason why I feel so uh, intrigued by the work that you do and what we're going to talk about today. 
And uh, unlike me, uh, Yogesh has a, a several degrees, <laughs> engineering degrees from IIT Kanpur, uh, ETH in Zurich, an MBA from UC Berkeley. <laughs> Anything else, Yogesh, that I missed? <laughs> I wanted to uh, start my PhD, but my wife said no. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness your wife put her foot down. Honey, I am not doing that yeah. on top of it. That's why I needed to teach myself something. So I just chose a topic and wrote a book about it. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. She's like, okay, you're allowed to write a book. <laughs> no more degrees. Yogesh's balanced outlook on business, community, and life is a healthy mix of the best aspects of Indian, Swiss, and American cultures. Realizing the cutthroat work culture in most tech companies is adversely affecting the well-being of employees, he embarked on a mission to change the status quo. In his debut book, Digital Belonging, he dreams about a world where every person feels invigorated by their jobs. He believes well-run businesses can usher tremendous positive impact on society while providing excellent returns for shareholders. That's really impressive. And I, I think it's important that bef- um, it's, you know, there's things to think about. If people who want to read this book, they're going to love the book if they want to work in an organization where they're looking forward to Monday mornings, where they feel valued and they contribute to the success of the organization. And if you're a leader who genuinely cares about other people and wants to build a high performing team organization. So, Uh, Listeners, if that has not intrigued you enough, I don't know what will. Though here we are, we're going to jump right in. And you'll guess what I'd like you to do is start by sharing how more about your education and your career journey than what I mentioned. Sure. Um, I started my journey in India. And like most Indians, I was destined to become either an engineer or a doctor. (laughs) Right. But I was uh, not looking forward to dissecting frogs and stuff. So I chose engineering and it helped that I really uh, like mathematics and physics. So I went to um, this school you mentioned, IIT Kanpur is one of the premier uh, institutes in India. Yeah. And that was when I first um, encountered, you know, independence, you know, breaking away from your parents and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was supposed to be looking forward to this journey initially, but I got panic attacks and anxiety as I separated from my parents. Oh, sure. Uh, That happened to me too. Really? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it became quite serious. I was hospitalized for a number of times. And the first year was was like that. But the next three years was awesome. Like I found that it was like the feeling where you have uprooted yourself from a comfortable position from your community, from your parents. Say it again. You did what from a comfortable so uprooted yourself got it yeah exactly you uproot yourself from the community that you're you know so close to yeah you you have friends from school your parents your extended family cousin and then you give that all life away and then you uproot your life and you go to a completely unknown place which Mm -hmm. was like thousand kilometers from my hometown right and it was sort of anxiety inducing for me yeah um I got over it. I did not think much about it. I thought it was just to something to do with, you know, I'm eating different kind of food maybe or, <laughs> or inhaling different kind of air or whatever, right? Right. Um, so so I didn't think much about it at the time. 
And then uh, the next three years passed quite uh, wonderfully. I used to live in a hostel with other students as well. Um, so that was quite fun for me. I During, during my uh, bachelor's in engineering, I got a chance to uh, visit Europe for an internship for three months. Okay. I, it was like a sleepy village in eastern part of Germany. It's called Ilmenau. Probably you've never heard of it. No, I have not. No, right. It was like really, really like a very small place. Uh, and I loved, I, I love those three months. I traveled all across Europe. The only place I could not travel to uh, that I really wanted to was Switzerland because Switzerland at the time was not part of the Schengen thing. And oh, I didn't right. have a visa, visa to go to Switzerland. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And that was like, okay, I need to go to Switzerland. So that was in my subconscious mind. <laughs> uh-huh. right? Went back, I graduated. I was working in India for a company called Lestium Microelectronics for two years. Yeah. And I was waiting. It was actually a Franco-Italian company. And I was waiting for them to send me on a business trip to Europe. Right. That did not ha- happen in two years. So I was like, okay. I just gotta do it myself, right? So <laughs> I quit my job. I applied to one uh, one uh, institution in yeah. Switzerland for my master's, and that's how I got it. So they gave me some scholarship. They gave me an apartment to live with some other. And this folks. is ETH in Zurich. Yes. So it was um, it was actually a new program by ETH Zurich and Politecnico di Milano. Yeah. And it was in the in the in the Italian part of Switzerland. It's called Lugano. Oh, you had to go to the Italian part of Switzerland. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> I feel so bad for you. <laughs> that, that was just one year, but it was not so bad, actually. So I met. Right, yeah, uh, not so friend. bad. Yeah, I, my uh, friends were from all over the world, really, like Colombians, mm-hmm. uh, people from Uruguay, Nicaragua, to, uh, to, to uh, Lithuania, Beirut, uh, Lebanon, right? So. That's where I discovered that Beirut is such a party uh, happening place. Oh, right? yeah. I, I never knew, right? Mm-hmm. So that was one time. So there was a theme that was evolving. Uh, I was absorbing this uh, multicultural things and ways okay. of doing things, right? And uh, my flexibility or flexible outlook was evolving, if you will, right? So when people are usually born, they, they do things in a certain way. And if you've lived in for a number of years in Switzerland, you know what I'm talking about, where cis have a very <laughs> proper way, tak, 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 of yes. doing things, right? But I was also seeing the the differences uh, from, especially Switzerland is like very different from India. Right. India is super chaotic and Switzerland mm-hmm. is super organized. Right. right I was right. trying to, I was trying to uh, imbibe and making sense of both the cultures, right? One, when I moved to finally to the, the French part of Switzerland, which was in Lausanne, yeah. I was so fortunate. Well, initially not so much. I was working for a startup, and that uh, that uh, sort of uh, was closed in that 2008 crisis, and they shut down just like a week before my wedding. Uh, that was not so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, bad timing. Yeah. yeah, so I went back to India, and we were like having a big wedding with 3,000 people, <laughs> and so I didn't tell any. We didn't tell the family. Of course, my wife knew. But, you know, being an employed is sort of a taboo in India, especially when you're being a what? Being unemployed unemployed, is taboo. Okay, yeah. Huge taboo, right? Right. Imagine that I'm on a stage in a wedding and shaking, (laughs) shaking hands with 3000 people who I don't know, meeting them for the first time. And I cannot do that if I am not, you know. Uh, not earning any money, right? So that's why people, right. all, all the people knew that the, the guy is working in Switzerland. Right. Uh, right. Switzerland. But anyways, after that, what I discovered was the Swiss 
social security where switzerland uh, they, they paid me my like 70% of my salary they paid for me to learn a little french uh, i did pick up some french then after bravo oh yeah <laughs> merci très bien uh, merci <laughs> um and uh, and from there i i found another job uh and that turned out to be the best four years of my work life in switzerland uh-huh. it was a credit company called marvel semiconductor sol mss oh say it again it's marvel semiconductors sol got it mss for short mhm so mss was such a unique place so we are we were only about 70 people and, yeah. but but 17 different nationalities there right amazing amazing and um what was unique about the culture first of all uh the quality of talent that was working there was extremely high like uh-huh. really the i and i don't say this lightly really the top engineering talent in the world and it was combined with very easy going uh, culture where uh people were working hard but at the same time uh having coffee uh taking long lunches uh-huh somewhere and let me let me yeah. ask uh, about how old were you at this point i was about so let me see uh probably 27 28 okay so this is still very early in your career so what i think i'm hearing you get at is that this had a huge influence in shaping you as to what was uh an ideal work environment is that an accurate guess absolutely so those were absolutely my formative years and oh, i, I was learning how the world is or what should be probably how right? it should be yeah. yeah 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 so just to give you an example um people here often talk about things like team building yeah team building is an extra thing that you must do apart from your work you take time on your calendars every 6 months and you do team building <laughs> right so this is like super weird but there um we were team building every day every right. single day it was right. part of our job right it was right. part from the job for example um me and a friend of mine we taught uh, our colleagues from belgium and from swiss to how to make indian chai with ginger you know the indian way of cooking chai and it was yes. them who were cooking chai for all the 10 team members uh-huh. every single afternoon right for us right oh after you taught it to them they would do it all the time that's yeah, great yeah and they right and we just all all of us drinking chai in the afternoon and like every single day team building right there were italian folks who would go bring pesto from italy that their uh, mama cooks <laughs> and they will come and ba- make some nice spaghetti with pesto della mama right so this is all team building is happening yeah. organically naturally right yeah. and mo- moreover and there was one thing about almost like an apprentice mentor relationship within the team always so everyone was looking to learn from everyone else and teaching uh, generously um, i was doing the same thing and i i didn't even know uh this i was not doing it consciously i was just doing it because everyone was doing it it was a convention right right and and there was one uh person uh, there's uh, one lady who came back from her maternity and she was struggling initially yeah. but i spent a quite a lot of time uh, with her teaching her coaching her and uh, then there was this all hands meeting and she acknowledged my contribution and that's when i first hit me that okay i was doing something 
out of ordinary. Or I got it. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought it was just part of my job, right? And so we had this amazing, amazing team where uh, where we were uh, so close knit. Uh, we were not only uh, meet having fun in the work, but after the work also. So we would go every Wednesday night. We'll meet together. We took trips together. My yeah. boss taught me how to ski uh, on his family trip in France. Uh, <laughs> right. So this is talk about like leaders investing in their team. Right. right? So this, yeah. this is this is like taking someone yeah. outside of work and teaching them how to ski. Right. Wow. So this is unheard of. Right. So this is what I was experiencing. Yep. And then uh, when I got a chance to uh, to move to US. Uh, they offered me a leadership role. Uh, they asked me to lead a team uh, simply because um, our, you know, there was there was this talk of how good this team is, the software team is. All the software engineers in this small team are way better. So I was working for Marvel. Marvel is actually based in US. It's in Santa Clara. Yeah. And they had, I think, six to 7,000 employees worldwide. Uh, majority of them actually based in US. Okay. We are such a small team, but the headquarters knew that this is a very talented team. Yeah. And when Marvel acquired a team uh, from, um, did they, they did the acqui- so-called Aqua hire. Uh, they were oh, what hire? Uh, it's called acquisition hire. So acquisition acquire, hire. Okay. Right. Equi hire for sure. Equi hire. <laughs> I was like, yeah. do you have to swim some laps? So I don't care. <laughs> right. Is there and a horse to... involved? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was sort of. Uh, quite close, right? It's pretty <laughs> tricky, actually. Right? So they asked me to lead the team, and that's how I moved to US. It was supposed to be a, a short trip, but for some reason, I ended up staying back in in California for a variety of reasons. My son was born at the time; um, he was one year old uh, when we moved, and he just, you know, we just got a nice daycare. It was pretty hard to find for daycare in, in Switzerland. So we got a daycare here. So we are like, okay. Yeah, you don't have to justify it to me. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> right. So so we are like liking it. And there's also in California, the weather. And right. there's also, yeah, huge Indian community here as well. So I thought, okay, maybe mm. I'll stay for a while, right? I ended up staying longer than I expected. But Switzerland is always very close to my heart, right? Mm-hmm. Now coming back to the cultural shock. Uh, initially, um, I saw something which was like aloof culture, but I could understand it or try to justify it. Where which co- are you talking about uh, in California or Switzerland? In California, right? So it and was it, very okay. So aloof, okay. Yeah. So which I could try to justify because there were three thousand people in here. There were like huge buildings and things like that. So of course you can be a very close knit. Uh, and uh, co-workers, if you're just 70 people in a small site versus 3,000 people. So I said, okay, yeah, this makes sense, right? And uh, then I ended up uh, eventually working for other companies such as Cisco and eBay. And Say it I again, start- you ended up working? For other companies. Other uh, companies, okay. Um, Cisco e- e- and Cisco. eBay. Oh, yeah, I know them both. Okay, very well. Mm-hmm. And um, And I moved also i did a number of changes right so i have moved from uh, another country to us and at the same time i was also doing my mba while working full time of course you and, <laughs> and i made a career transition from uh, being a software engineer to being a product manager focusing more on the business side of things right so two okay. main changes for me uh, and i did enjoy my work 
specifically and uh, in the us or a white there was this definite this uh, you know get things done attitude mm-hmm. and thinking big and executing on this audaciously and relentlessly and things like that those are the things that i really enjoyed um but there was still a sort like undercurrent of something that i didn't like and i sort of ex- ex- i was sort of trying to accept it right of course but core of my being was rejecting no my my <laughs> boss taught me to ski i don't want to give that up <laughs> right and then interestingly uc berkeley house business school uh, runs on principles and one of the principle is question the status quo uh, oh wow right and i'm like okay 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 so who who i was like okay i'm ready to question the status quo who exactly Where? am i going against right i was not really sure right but then uh something was cooking inside my head and subconscious and i was yeah. talking to everyone my uh, friends my coworkers and i would ask them hey how are you guys doing and people were like fine then i understood fine doesn't really mean fine actually fine means yeah I i'm not do- miserable i'm i'm not miserable i'm just getting by yes. something like that yeah. right so i was um, i was trying to understand how can people be really fine and to like me that was fine in the sense of great good positive great. happy that you mean like exactly. fine exactly right so there was this there was this sense of resignation in people that the work is supposed to suck uh, and i was like no it is not <laughs> i i had experienced differently right yeah so i think that that was different had i been uh, brought up in this culture or if i had always worked in american companies in us in california probably i wouldn't know right but i knew differently i, yeah, I had exactly you had tasted the the sweet life and it included exactly. pesto and chai made by colleagues <laughs> exactly right so um at, there came a time where i said no i think we could be different and then i started researching some companies and yes um in huge part in especially uh, in us there's this strong individualistic culture uh, so the larger society is built that way uh, as opposed to where i came from from india and i think to a certain extent in switzerland as well got it right and uh, that is so something to do with it but also this um, really cutthroat culture of competing growing at all costs uh, you know a lot of investor money coming in mm-hmm. there's a huge pressure to grow uh, very very fast there is also huge pressure to show uh, some revenue growth every single quarter and things like that right mm-hmm. so so there's a long pressure long over indexing on uh, driving the shareholder value if i must say it, right and that had that was having some side effects on the employees uh namely that they were um, essentially getting burnt out yeah right and it, it is kind of hard so it's almost like employees were <clears throat> collateral damages in all this madness right? yeah and it was noticeable you but get for some 
Yeah. I'm going to interrupt you in in about 30 seconds. Um, we're going to take a break. So give me uh, just a, a little pause in about 30 seconds. Sure. Yeah. So keep going. So uh, when the pandemic hit, all of this seemed to come to the front mm-hmm. collectively. When people yeah. went back to their homes, working from their homes, yep. suddenly it was like a switch that had you know, turned on and people were like, okay, I know I'm struggling. People got okay. time, right? And that's when I said, okay, I need to I need to do something about it. Okay. Okay, great. That's a perfect spot for us to pause. Um, so I'm going to do a little publicity for both of us. So listeners, um, we're going to rejoin in a few minutes to find out more about Yogesh and his book. And you can connect with Yogesh directly. Now, Yogesh, would you like them to reach out to you on LinkedIn? Is that the best way to get in touch with you or Twitter? What do you prefer? I prefer LinkedIn and my okay. handle on LinkedIn is Yogesh K. Sony. And that's Y-O-G-E-S-H-K-S-O-N-I. Correct. Great. Okay. And listeners, I am super excited because three years ago, before the pandemic struck, my plan was to, to do a one-week retreat in Bali. And I am finally happy to say it is going to happen in May 2023. I'm hosting the complete retreat from the 20, I think it's May 20th. Maybe it's May, it's sometime in May, early May, mid, late May. <laughs> well, you'll find out more information on my events page on my website. And that's carolcoaching.com. And if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers to the next level, you can join me on my online leadership presence course. You can also find out information about that on my website. When we come back, we're going to be hearing more from Yogesh. So stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behaviour changes in voice, body language, words and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back, listeners. 
My guest today is Yogesh Soni, founder and CEO of Transcend Tech Incorporated. He's helping tech companies elevate the effectiveness and well-being of their distributed workforce. So we've been talking with Yogesh about his background and his path to what brought him to what he does today and how he came to write this book, Digital Belonging. So Yogesh, um, where we left off was about, you're saying, okay, the pandemic hit and people are like, basta, enough Mm -hmm. is enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not taking this anymore. So pick it up from there, if you would. Sure. And like billions of people, first of all, there was untold suffering. Uh, people lost their loved ones. And that, that if, if that will not um, make people question what is yeah. uh, most important for their lives, then I don't know what will, yeah. right? And that is the point where I also started uh, asking the same questions. Thankfully, fortunately, uh, I did not lose a a loved one, but Mm -hmm. my friends did. Mm -hmm. And it could have been so easily me, right? Yeah. And and I have enough empathy to to feel for their pain and their pain was my pain, my loss, right? Yeah. Um, And right at about the same time, I hit this midlife uh, crisis. I probably is real now. So I read this interesting book called 4,000 Weeks, which says- 4,000 4, 4, weeks. Yeah. So if I, if you ask someone, how how many weeks do you live, right? People will say- Oh, okay. yes. I heard about this book. What's Who's People the author? Are, do you remember? I forget the name of the author, right? Okay. But I'll have a so look while you're doing that. Right, right. But people would answer that I'm going to go live for 50,000 weeks, right? It sounds like human life spends such a long time. But it's just 4,000 weeks if you yeah. just calculate, right? And I had already lived 2,000 weeks. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of 2,000 weeks, right? Okay, it's Oliver Berkman. So for listeners, they're interested. Okay, great. Keep going. So one thing was clear for me that I cannot be miserable for the rest of the 2,000 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> there are already a couple of weeks too many in those first 2,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And I was also super clear that I loved building technology products. I love working with other smart people. It was clear to me, but for some reason, the organizations that I was working in somehow did not pay enough attention to be intentional about designing a workplace that is conducive for people to come in and do their best work. Not intentional enough. Okay. Not intentional enough. So I thought, well, we can do something about it. It seems like a problem, but it's something seems like a problem that we can actually solve. And that's where my investigation began. I said, okay, Mm -hmm. my mission is going to be helping organizations to change in the way we work and the way we behave with each other Mm -hmm. so that employees are instead of being always stressed out and burnt out, they are energized, happy to do the work, doing great work. And when they are doing great work, consequentially, the business is uh, booming, right? It's such a simple concept, but unfortunately not super easy to implement because large organizations um, come with, with, you know, the, the, the larger the organization is, harder it is to keep everyone aligned, keeping right. them at their best behaviors right. and things right. like that, right? Okay. 
so a blueprint was needed and i started mm-hmm. with investigation what exactly is needed there was interestingly also a very big paradigm shift that was happening people working in co-located offices together imagine 3000 people in one building or couple of buildings close by to a completely distributed workforce where every person is working from their own office so i think in terms of computer science uh you know like a cloud data center versus millions of nodes distributed okay. throughout the geography throughout the globe right so all right thinking, all right okay. I, i'm you're, i'm losing you're losing me a little bit that's okay i trust you you're going to yeah. be able to bring it back around <clears throat> so what happens really is when the employees are distributed the communication is exponentially harder okay got it okay and exponential and uh, but communication is actually the bedrock of collaboration of teamwork right yep. you know this right you oh, know yeah. this who, who would know communication right <laughs> and then one thing that i read in your book right when two people are communicating together mm. it it's not only important what they are saying but how they are saying it right 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 when people are calm so one thing i learned one takeaway key takeaway when you're talking to that person if you appear to be calm it's respectful for that person yeah right and if you pay respect to other person you get the respect back yep you, you get it back right yeah and and this is a strong correlation with my book bedrock of my book okay key to the best workplace is dignity and respect for everyone right yeah so. <laughs> and you know it's funny uh, going off on a tangent for a minute yeah um i I've been living in Switzerland for 27 years and I'm still this American. Yes. So it's not going anywhere. And I get to travel around the world and people want to resist and they they think, "Oh, it's too American, it would never work here." And I say, "Well, actually, the currency is respect. You show high respect is is, you know, is that es- essential in your com- your community and in your culture to show high respect for yourself and high respect for the other?" And they say, "Oh, uh, yeah." So the currency is the same and then that starts to help them see oh yeah no this is pretty universal. Right. And say how how do we communicate when we are uh, when we are distributed we are communicating through slack messages yeah. emails and zoom calls and etc right? Somewhere that respect dignity valuing uh, other people uh, people want to be valued they right. want to be recognized. uh they 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 want to feel as if they belong right? right so where is this community in the workplace where they would feel they would they are belong right when okay. they are inherently distributed so that was um that was my uh, aha moment when i realized that this is not the sense of belonging the sense of community the sense of respect um proper communication it's not gonna uh, come about by itself it's not gonna rise right by itself you know there is a i'm going to go in physics a little bit okay all uh, right th- I'll, I'll, th- i'll just go for it if you see tears coming out of my eyes <laughs> you may know it's too much there's something called a law second law of thermodynamics which says it, it, say entro- say it slower say it slower the the second law of thermodynamics states that the entropy of a closed system would always increase and entropy is nothing but randomness a, a degree of a measure of randomness 
Okay. So for, exa- for example, if I leave my house, if I don't do any cleanup, you can guarantee that my house will be a mess. And eventually. Chaos. Eventually, chaos. Is... And the chaos will rise. So it will not be clean or tidy or whatever, right? So I have to put in energy to make it tidy. Okay. I kind of got that. All right. Same thing. With Thank the you for the cleaning example. <laughs> yeah. So same thing for the distributed workforce. You know, the people, clarity in the organizations, alignment, uh, dividing up the work properly, making sure everyone is working, they know what they're supposed to be working on. Everyone is working on the stuff that is actually moving the needle and doing something positive for the business impact, doing something positive for the customers. While people are feeling that they love working here, they're valued by their coworkers, and they feel that their coworkers, managers, and leaders care for them. So how is this going to work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You read my mind. So Yogesh, um, you may have some more you want to share, though I'm really eager to hear more. And I think the listeners will be too of how do we concretely make that happen? Sure. So uh, the very first thing, you start with the baseline, you measure where you are, right? And you can measure uh, essentially everything. Measuring whether everyone is treating each other with respect uh, could be uh, could be done via different tools, right? Yeah. Uh, when you were located in the office you, as a manager or as a leader, you could just walk around, uh, and they called it managing by walking around. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you could sense the mood of the people, right? And you could see how people are behaving and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, when things are happening virtually, uh, it's kind of harder. You could still be joining Slack rooms and you could be part of the conversations as a leader. ID could simply sense and see how people are behaving with each other. Just look at the messages, public forums, right? So do you have specific tools that you've developed that can measure people's perception of respect? Is that what I'm hearing? Um so I have not because it's, I could, it's very easy actually uh, with the current technologies that we have. You could do what we call a sentiment analysis with natural language processing using AI on people's Slack messages, right? But I i am suspecting that it will not go down well with people might think or employees might think that that's violating their uh, privacy in some mm-hmm. sense, right? Mm. So I think it's uh easier at this point of time to just rely on uh, surveys and uh, you can surveys. In, the surveys, mm-hmm. in the surveys, you can easily ask some of these questions and okay. these, these surveys could be like, you know, re- quite regular, I would say at least once a quarter, please. Mm-hmm. Right. And you could be asking questions uh, around specifically around how do you feel? Do you feel that you are, uh, you're valued? Do you know what is your role in the company? Do you feel respected? by your manager? Do you feel respected by your leaders? Do you have trust in your leaders and things like that, right? So okay. you, could, you could be asking these questions and then you can easily uh, get a sense or a pulse uh, from the team, right? And I, I found in my past also, this, um, these things come out quite openly. For example, there was this survey that came out that less than 50% of the team uh, thought that there was any transparency in the organization and transparency what i mean is just what's going on are we doing good as a business 
What's the next project? Is my gonna, project gonna be killed? What is my coworker working on? How am I gonna grow in this company, for example? How am I gonna get that new promotion and stuff like that, right? So all of this, people just don't know, right? And it was a strong indication that, and it is <clears throat> quite natural if you think about it, right? Because in the office, you can actually see some of this. You know what your coworkers are working on because they're sitting next to you. Right. Here, your window to your organization is this computer screen that you're looking at, right? Right. right? That's that's the thing. And now, if this information is not coming through, there's definite information loss. So people have to spend energy to create this information intentionally, right? So the pillar number one, transparency, is the pillar number one of creating uh, organizations where people are not um, too stressed out because lack of trans transparency, uh, transparency, mm -hmm. transparency creates stress and anxiety. People uncertainty, okay. anxiety, and okay. there is an anxiety. Yeah. So that's the first pillar. That's the first pillar, right? Okay. So, so you have to be intentional of creating information. How? Just get some simple. Uh, just get a convention in. Um, in your company that mm -hmm. every single project you kind of write it down what are we doing what is the role who is responsible uh, who are the team members how am I gonna get promoted what is the you know level of responsibilities that next level of promotion requires and things like that right so <clears throat> all of those things right that's the first thing the second thing uh, that is happening quite a bit is um, this is this Microsoft data that came out recently, which said the number of Zoom meetings or video meetings have uh, more than doubled since 2020. Yeah. Uh, so now imagine if every employee has eight hours every day. Yeah. And if it, they were doing like four hours in meeting, then <laughs> it's eight hours now, right? So time is finite. So if you're meetings in back-to-back -back meetings all day long, you're not going to be working. You're not going to be producing software. You're not going to be focusing on sales calls with your customers and things like that, right? And Yogesh, speaking of time being finite, yeah. we we only have a little while left. So I, wanted, I know I may not have given you a, a time check. So I want you to know in the seven, eight minutes that I have left for to have you share, what what else are you wanting us to know? Sure. So I, I think it's better to do few things, right? Rather than doing a lot of things, right? Nice. So I'm, I'm just going to focus on these two things, transparency okay. and a different way of collaboration. Okay. Okay. And and the I like that. Thank you. Because that will give us a chance to do a deep dive in this next part about the collaboration. And the reality is, I'm guessing a lot of this stuff is people can reference your book to find out everything else. Yes, yes. Good. Okay, totally. great. Totally. All right, listeners. So this is you're going to get the collaboration part. Totally. So now coming back to these meetings, right? So not only are we spending much more time in meetings, and not spending enough time on this focused, deep work of writing code or writing, writing that marketing collateral and things like that. But also, the technology itself has been shown to be not good 
for human brain. There's something called a Zoom fatigue. Yes, uh, heard that. Right? And we have seen research where um, there was this ERG done on people where there was what on people. I think it's called um, uh, EEG or something like that, where you essentially connect electrodes to your brain. Okay. The EEG, can, yeah. Mm. yeah, right. And you you can actually see what's going on. In this particular case, they were looking at the, also the stress levels of mm-hmm. how it goes when someone is on back-to-back meetings. Yeah, and that they clearly showed that the stress uh, rises to alarming levels when you are in back-to-back meetings. Right? Yeah. No break. So not only are employees not working on high-value stuff when they're in back-to-back meetings, but they're also getting stressed out, which further inhibits the creative thinking, creative part okay. of the brain. <clears throat> so I suggest completely different style of working, which is called asynchronous collaboration. Okay. Right. So synchronous is when two people are talking same time, like, real yeah. time, same time. And asynchronous is I write down something um, and then I pass it over to you. Yep. And then you, when you get a chance, you add your comments, your thoughts and things like that. And we can do back and forth, right? Yeah, that makes now, a lot of sense. Now, this may f- seem inefficient, but truth is, at any given time, people are working on a lot of projects, right? So if I send you some information about project number one, and I'm awaiting your reply, I could be working on project number two or project number three. Right. Right. And I can be doing it on my own time when I best feel I have the highest energy to be working. Right. Completely uninterrupted, blocked time for focused work. Right. right? And at this point, I will also recommend a book called Deep Work. Deep Work. I've heard of this. Say more about it. Yeah. It's from Cal Newport. I think he's uh, he's, um, a professor of computer science. Uh-huh. In George Georgetown uh, University in Washington. Check it out. He's, he's pretty good. The idea is pretty simple. If you are too distracted, your brain just does not have the same amount of energy to and focus uh, to provide to a creative task. As mm-hmm. simple as that, right? Okay. Yeah, I just got it here. Deep work, Cal Newport, you say. Okay. Exactly. Right? So <clears throat> the idea of asynchronous Collaboration or async is simple. Provide as much as flexibility and accountability to employees where they can work at their own hours and they primarily work through uh, artifacts. And these artifacts could be written documents, which can be shared easily or written these days. There's everything that could be shared. Software code can be shared very easily. The designs that, you know, the... UX design, UI design, uh, hmm. those uh, artifacts are, can be shared easily and multiple people can collaborate directly on the file on the cloud, right? And so the tools are there. Yeah, what I'm hearing is that very simple uh, idea of working asynchronistically. Yeah. Uh, you're giving back a sense of autonomy and independence, which is so crucial for so many adults. <laughs> Exactly. Even exactly. kids. Even kids. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, and, and, uh, and just as a side note, I overheard, I remember hearing something, some quick little video about a guy saying, you, if you want to create a confidence in your child, 
get them independent as quickly as possible. Or actually, it may have been this woman who has two daughters who are CEOs and one daughter who's a doctor. So, you know, apparently she has done a pretty good job raising her kids. <laughs> and so I think she her philosophy was, um, we do it. No, I do it. We do it. You do it. So that sense of independence. So, all right, going off on, forget, back on the, off my tangent. Absolutely. So in fact, my second pillar is autonomy. <laughs> Transparency and autonomy, right? Uh, the other two player, uh, pillars were uh, community and technology. TACT for short, T-A-C-T, TACT, transparency, autonomy, community, and technology. Oh, but, wow. But for the other two pillars, people can go and read my book. Sure. But uh, Absolutely. Asynchronous communication or collaboration is all about uh, autonomy. And mm -hmm. it's not that you do only asynchronous collaboration. Certain things like connecting with people deeply can still be happening synchronously, either over a Zoom call or in person. Yeah. But the idea is to identify not everything should be a meeting, right? right I would say right. the meeting should be uh, uh, an afterthought, no, not an afterthought, but it should be done only if it's absolutely needed, right? right. Asynchronous collaboration is by default, people while you're working, but if yeah. you want to get, get together for having fun, chit-chatting and things like that, get on a meeting, right? Yeah. But not Not for things like status meetings. I don't know if you have gone through the status meetings where there's 30 people. You just blew are, my mind. Oh my yeah. God, 30 people in call. It's not one hour meeting. It's 30 hour meeting. Think about it. <laughs> right, it costs right. Of good point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I love what you just said. What if meetings were, I'm not saying only because sometimes mm. it need be. What if meetings were prim primarily for socializing, connecting, gathering, team building? And that they were done on a, I mean, could you imagine the, how that EEG would, you know, that stress level would be completely decreased because it would just be a completely different um, energy and mindset. Absolutely. And wow. there, there are definitely certain complex discussions, for example, sensitive topics, if there was some, I don't know, performance feedback to be given, right. those kind of things can be done in one-on-one -on -one meeting setting. But those, imagine those, uh, those things are not uh, very frequent, right? You don't give performance feedback every single day to our people, right. right? But generally speaking, people should be working asynchronously and getting on meetings okay. as and when required, when really required. Okay. So, Yogesh, I am, this time has literally flown by. And I want to ask you one last question in a very concise response. What is your key message the world needs to know about your book? Key message is if you prioritize the well-being of employees, you are going to build an organization that's going to last and create tremendous value for shareholders as well as for the society. Wow. That is a message that people need to hear. So thank you for writing this book. And I have... Um, I, I, I want to ask you, you might have a, a, a call for action. I, I'm going to say my call for action is people get a copy of this book, read it. It's called Digital Belonging by Yogesh Suni. Did I say the last name right? Suni? Sony. No, with an O. Sony. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, and so if you want to contact and reach out to Yogesh, remember he said LinkedIn is the best and that's Yogesh K. Sony. So Y-O-G-E-S-H-K-A-S-O-N-I. 
And um, is there, so do you have um, another call for action that you wanted to share? Sure. So I'm currently working with senior leaders, specifically from technology companies. Um, I have seen that technology companies have uh, more or less stuck to distributed workforce, uh, barring few exceptions, like Twitter recently, <laughs> mm-hmm. but more or less, right? So, and I think those leaders have got it right where they value the the needs and choice of their employees. Mm-hmm. But running a distributed workforce is hard. And even though we have been working for doing it for the last two years, I don't think it's optimal. So <laughs> if you if you want to, if you're a leader who's struggling with this, you can reach out to me. Okay, great. So the call for action is if you're wanting to have the kind of organization that you have described that people are capable of, they should reach out to you. Yeah. You can reach out to me on email as well, ykesoni at transcendtech.io. Super. And listeners, my call for action to you is to check out the Bali retreat that's going to be in May 2023 for my week-long masterclass, Overhauling Your Relationships and Taking Your Communication Skills to the Next Level, both personally and professionally. And that's carolcoaching.com. Also, listeners, be sure to switch on, tune in, listen up, and be inspired next month because I'm going to be interviewing Karen Mangan. Mangan, Oh boy, I was pronounced, I was rehearsing this. Give me a second. Mangia. That's it. That's it. Karen Mangia. Sorry about that, Karen. Um, And she is a best selling author, a Salesforce executive, and one of the most sought after thought leaders in the world. She hosts a podcast, Success From Anywhere. And is the author of four books. She has been featured in Forbes and regularly contributes to Thrive Global, Authority Magazine, and ZDNet. And listeners, feel free to check with uh, check out and connect with me on my social media channels, Amy Carroll Coaching. Yogesh, thank you so much for the time. It's been a lovely conversation. Likewise, thank you so much for having me on your show. And by the way, I'm going to check out uh, the next episode with carol yeah right see now you're like i want to listen to karen yeah i hear you yeah it sounds like you said success from anywhere it's success from anywhere is her podcast yes okay sounds like i should get introduced to her (laughs) i think you should yes and thank you yogesh for this really delightful conversation thank you listeners you've been listening to partner up with amy carol on the podcast on voice america happy partnering everyone Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.